FWG News Podcast for January 2022. I'm Resolute Public Relations Officer for the FWG. And I'm Kate Shaw, Vice President of the Guild. It's January, so that means we're really gearing up for award season. The Guild's own Kyoto Awards are now open for writers and editors to add their 2021 works to the reading list. That way, readers know what works are eligible for nominations. There's a link in the show notes to the reading list, so you can make sure you're caught up on your reading, too. So, nominations for the Kyoto Awards begin on February 1st and will continue through March 15th. Voting starts on March 15th and closes April 15th. Right now, the plan is, um, insofar as we can plan things in this day and age, (laughs) um, to present the awards at the Furry Down Under Convention in Australia at the end of April 2022. Madison Scott Clary is the Guild's Kyoto Awards Chair, so she's ineligible for the award, so it's only fair to mention that she has a book coming out next week on January 21st. (laughs) It's called Toledote, and it's available for pre-order. Check the show notes for a link if you want to read a sample chapter. The January FWG newsletter also highlights some other books that are recently released or soon to be released. So if you haven't already read the newsletter, go to furrywritersguild.com to find it. So here's our market roundup for January. There are three anthologies by Armored Fox Press seeking submissions. You might have heard these before if you've been listening. So there's Isekai Me. So Isekai and I just learned this today, is a genre where the protagonist or an integral character must have been transported to a different world. And that's the requirement of the anthology. That is so much fun. It it sounds like, (laughs) and I've read a couple stories, and it sounds like an excellent, you know, there's a lot you could do with it. Deadline for that is win full. So get your submissions in sooner than later. Second is Children of the Night, Goth Furries. Yeah, I still haven't written that story. I started it. You can do it, Kate. I have Kate. no idea how to end it. You can it. do it, Kate. I believe I don't you. know. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm going to try. Well, Kate, you and everyone else, again, the deadline is when it's full. So get it in sooner than later. And then third is This is Halloween. The story can be any genre, but the theme must be, in case you haven't guessed it already, Halloween. <laughs> the deadline, hold for suspense win full. That one sounds fun, too. Oh, my gosh. It does. Then we have Omer by Red Ferret Press. Deadline is ongoing with various themes. They have kind of cyclical open and close with different themes throughout the year. So keep an eye on them. And then, last but not least, there is Zooscape for Fantastic Furry Fiction. They just opened for submissions and they are at SFWA rates, eight cents per word. That's really great. Very, very fantastic. Always good to see that yeah. with publications. So give them, it, even if you don't write or if you just want to read it, give them some views, give them some love. As always, you can view our furry writers markets on the FWG website for more details and to keep up to date on open markets. Okay, uh, now we all have to start writing a lot of stories because those sound like some fantastic anthologies and markets that are open they right do. now. They do. Next, we have an interview with a writer you may know as Sandy, or you may be familiar with her work on So Furry, where she writes as Rob Baird. I've been following her work for a while. I love her work. So definitely recommend checking it out. 
I was so excited to talk to her. And really, that is it, it's such a great interview. It's so much fun. Awesome. So I think people are really going to enjoy it. Welcome to the FWG News Podcast, and thanks for joining us. No, th- thanks, for, thanks for having me. Um, you've been an active SoFari writer for a long time and are familiar with how reader engagement changes from year to year. Um, there's a cynical saying that furries just don't read very much. Is there any truth to that claim, do you think? No, I, so t- I definitely don't think there's a whole lot of truth to that claim. And that's something that, that I think is interesting because we are, it's, it's in some ways sort of the opposite. Um, we've become sort of spoiled for choice. Um, the writing is, there's a lot more writing. There are a lot more anthologies that exist. There are a lot more people that are sort of uh, self-publishing, you know, people who are active on Patreon, people who are active on on Smashwords. If we look at Sofari's engagement, if you look at the, the numbers, if you look at the the number of submissions, basically tracks the same as all of the other furry sites. So it's been going up year on year. So there definitely has not been a, um, a decrease in the number of submissions. What there has been is an increase in the number of authors, which means that there are more people creating things. And I think what people may perceive as a lack of readership is almost liable to be, I think, more a compartmentalization. You find the people who write what you like, you find the, the, the groups that write what you like, and those, those are sort of what you follow. And so I think, particularly, particularly on Sofari, uh, just because it's a site that's very heavily driven by, by, by metadata and by the use of tags, there is, I think it does come down partly to, uh, can you find your niche? Um, can you find uh, the, the readers who are interested in what you have to produce? Um, can you maintain a kind of consistent output? Because there is, as I said, um, the number of stories has increased. And one thing that I think is interesting as well is that for a long time, I mean, when I was starting out in the fandom in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a sense that um, furry writing was sort of at the bottom of the the, the bottom of the the, the stack. Um, it was the thing that got the the least amount of respect, and um, it was also true on 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 so furry, um, which started out as a as a as an adult writing website. That that was sort of where people went for you know that that sort of thing. But if you look at one thing that that interested me was I wanted to take a look at the number of. Um, it's very hard to judge story quality, right? There's there's not a good way to do that objectively. But if you look at the um, flesh concave reading score, or if you look at the number of um, spelling errors, if you look at the sentence length, um, all of those have trended up over time. Uh, I think writing has become more complex. Uh, it's become um, it, it's it's sort of tracked with with what we see elsewhere. And I think uh, that that has positives and negatives. I think as a as a reader, it's good because it's definitely a, a reader's market. Uh, as a writer it can be tough because it's harder to get noticed just by being the only person who's writing something or by being, you know, the, the, the high quality, you know, the person who writes high quality fiction, who is also, who is also furry. So what's your advice to a newer writer who's trying to gain a readership on so furry or, or really anywhere? There, so there are practical terms. Um, there are times of year that people are, are, you know, more active reading, obviously furry skews young. So uh, when people aren't in school, you know, when people are over the holidays, people are reading more. I would say uh, tagging, tagging uh, aggressively, I would say is good. Um, and that works both ways, both because you, you then make it easier um, to, uh, for people to find your work. And you make it easier for people who don't, who won't enjoy your work to, to avoid it, uh, to, to, to not engage with it, because that's, that's, I mean, that, that's part of it too. Uh, so we see, um, if we look at the numbers, if we look at, uh, on Sofari at least, there is a, a correlation between the number of views and the number of um, reader engagement. So people who uh, favorite a story, people who comment on a story, 
um, and the number of tags, um, just because that's 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 really kind of where discoverability comes from. Um, the other thing, and this one is harder, is is output. Being able to to write consistently uh, helps, and of course, I think also this becomes uh, it becomes a branding exercise. And this is something that I think um, you know it's important for writers to be able to cultivate, generally speaking. But it's true on Sofari as well, uh, or any any site where people comment, and um, you know you should respond to them. You should um, be active with your readers. You should be uh, not necessarily approachable in the sense of kind of cultivating these, I don't know, you hear a lot of talk about parasocial relationships, not necessarily that, but definitely, definitely being, be having a sense of self, uh, because that's something that, that I think um, we've seen outside of furry as well in fan fiction, say that's become popular or writers who have kind of broken out on Smashwords or on Kindle. A lot of that comes from, you know, successful fan fiction writers comes not just from the quality of the writing, but also from the ability to drive a conversation with their readership or to get people talking about the work. Yeah, I've noticed that I tend to engage more with other writers if I know them a little bit, like on Twitter or, or whatever. Um, so that's really good advice. I, I hadn't really sort of put that together, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> well, and, and furry writing is, um, it's it's pretty... Well, so it, it used it used to be that I would have said it was not not necessarily clickish, but definitely that everybody knew everybody else. Um, there was a you know there there weren't that many that many writers. Um, these days, uh, I really you know I look at the I look at the guild and I look at, you know if I look at the guild Telegram chat, these are not I don't I don't know everybody. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of new new blood, um, which is which is good, and also a lot of it is um a lot of it's young, um, which I think is also good. Uh, I, I've always had like I've had that question. I've had that question when you look at um, conventions, you know, so convention attendance back when we were back when we were having conventions, convention attendance was going up year on year and it was going up a lot. And the question I always had was sort of, are, are furries getting older? Is the fandom kind of aging? Um, what does that mean? But I think that um, when I look at all of the, the new younger writers, I, I think most of the writers that I, uh, most of the writers that I see, most of the writers that I see talked about are, are younger than me. Which is, um, which I think is, uh, is is good. It's actually, it's really, um, really inspiring um, that furry continues to be a place that's driven largely by by creativity. Yeah, I go to. Well, I used to go to a lot of conventions, and the difference between science fiction fandom and furry fandom is huge because science fiction fandom really does seem to be aging. I mean, not completely, obviously, but when you go to the conventions, there's a lot of older people and older than me, and I'm getting pretty up there. But the furry conventions and just furry writing in general, it feels very young and vibrant. Yeah, I think, and I think it is. And I think, um, so there was the, I think the last big convention was, was Midwest Fur Fest in December. And that was one where a lot of the people that I would normally expect to go and a lot of the writers that I would normally expect to go didn't. And, you know, it's kind of extrapolating from small numbers. But at the same time, the, the convention was, I think, its second largest ever. It was something like 85 or 100 or 9,000 people attended. So obviously, this is a lot of people who it's their, their, first, it's their first convention. And um, the faces that, you know, I, I didn't really see a lot of familiar faces in the, in the writing panels, uh, the panels that I was on in the writing track. It was a lot of, it was a lot of new people. And so I think that, that that's good. It's good that, that Furry continues to, to draw new, um, to, yeah, to, to draw new people in, that it continues to be a place where also where people feel like they can express themselves. I think probably we're, we're the best, <laughs> best subgenre, let's say that way. <laughs> just, just because we are so, you know, all-encompassing. No, I, I mean, I, for what it's worth, I, I think you're right. I, in, in, in a past life, I used to, I used to also work on um, surveys, the furry fandom. 
And one of the surveys that I, I mean, the survey that I wrote, I asked people, do you, do you, are you, know, are you a writer? Are you an artist? Are you, a, you know, are you a musician? And, you know, how often do you do it? And I think the number of people who said never to all of those things, uh, I want to say it was something like, like 3%, 5%. Something like, you know, well over 90% of the fandom was creatively engaged with it in some way. They were they were making art, they were writing, they were doing, you know, running furry role-playing games and, and DMing for them or things like that. Uh, and, and I think that's actually, again, I think that's really cool. I, I don't know that there are, you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of time for 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 cosplayers and for people who are active in other in other fandoms. Um, but furries being largely self-created and being largely creative, I think really does set it apart. And I think it does, I, I would agree. I think it sets it apart in a in a in an interesting and in an inspirational way. It's also, I think, true that, you know, I, I do the the interviews on on SoFurry. We we do creative spotlights. I, I kind of brought those back. And I've tried to trade off between interviewing people who are who are well known, who are popular, and people who are um either new or people who are not as well read, but I think have interesting stories to, to tell, interesting, um, you know, interesting perspectives. And so it's it's nice to me that, you know, that the Guild is also doing that, for example, and that there are people who really seem to be, or it's some, you know, like um, like um, like the Voice of Dog, the, the story podcast, really is, a, is very internally focused. It's very focused on boosting this community purely as a community. And I, I think that's actually, I, I think that's also um, unique and, and, and really cool. Yeah, I love Voice of Dog. <laughs> One of the things I did notice, um, you sent me a link to a really interesting, an article that you'd written on Sofuri uh, a couple of months ago about just the readership in general and the trends. And um, I did notice there was a decline in reader engagement lately. Um, and I know you addressed it in the article. Is there anything you sort of are interested in talking about that here or yeah, so so I think, um, and it's it's discussed a little bit. There was some discussion about that in the in the the forum thread. Definitely, at the same time as um, site activity, generally speaking, has gone up. The number of people who are creating things has gone up. The number of submissions has gone up. At the same time, um, yeah, the number of comments in particular has decreased, uh, and the number of comments are being made by fewer people. So some of that, I think, probably is just a sofery thing. Speaking on the one hand from the perspective of being so for a staff, but also not speaking for the site, I think that's something that we want to look at going forward. So we, we're, we're working on a redesign of the site. Uh, the, 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 the site does look kind of dated at this point. Um, it went through its last redesign about 10 years ago. And I think part of that, a thing that I have wanted to prioritize is really making it clearer for, re, uh, for, for, for creators um, where, what their engagement looks like. Um, where that traffic is coming from, how people are engaging with it, but also um, looking at ways to incentivize getting getting that conversation started, making it easier for people to comment, making it easier to reply to comments, because that was something that that was something that came up in the you know in the in the discussion was people comment and then they don't get a response to that. Um, that sort of feels like a one way one way street, and and I do think that for a, being a somewhat niche and somewhat um, intimate fandom, probably. People do expect more more actual engagement. They do expect at least an acknowledgement that they that they are you know reading that they're engaging with the piece. So I think I think that is some of it. Some of it is some of it is is just so free. Some of it's the design of the site. Some of it is um, people just um, for whatever reason the commenting group of people has has moved on. Um, but some of it also is yeah there are just so many more things to be reading um, that that the number of people who are 
active and who would be active commenters are spread across a, a much much wider pool of stories. We're all spoiled for choice these days. We definitely are, um, and it was true. Like I, I go back and look at you know I go go back and look at the stories that that I remember when I was reading furry fiction from inside the fandom in the late 90s and the early 2000s and i go back and look at it and you know it was obviously it was what got me writing but um it's it is nowhere near as as nuanced um it doesn't come from the 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 same breadth of perspectives and some same same topics uh that that people are writing about today and um or writing from today i i don't think a you know i don't think a um a writer like like Madison Scott Clary, who has done a lot of really interesting transgressive fiction, I, I just I, I don't really think that she would have that the furry fandom in the '90s really would have produced something like that. Uh, and so now we have these we have um, we have you know visual novels and interactive fiction and and people who are really I think pushing the medium and also bringing bringing new perspectives to it. I was, you know, I, I was thinking, I was talking with somebody the other day about the kind of classic furry stories that I that I remember, the kind of genetically uplifted animals or the magical transformation that pits humans versus anthropomorphic animals. Um, and you just don't see that these days, like the same kind of like the same very trope focused stories, the same way that you know, the, the same way that, that science fiction is not just rocket ships going to the stars. There is a, just a huge breadth of of kinds of content, uh, kinds of stories that are being told. So I think I think it really has changed um, for, for the better. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, just to bring it back to you a little bit, because I really haven't even asked you about yourself. Um, do you have any projects in the works right now yourself? I know you do a lot of writing on Sofuri and, and elsewhere. What have you got going on right now? Yeah, um, so... Partly, I'm trying to to, to wrap up um, projects that I started in 2020 or 2021. 2020 seems to have lasted for a very long time. So one of the 2020s, <laughs> um, uh, I had a I had a novel that I had started work on, and I'd like to bring that to a close. I what I do on my on my Patreon is I make the same stories I make available everywhere else, but I add in additional content. Um, I kind of provide like director's commentary on them or maps or things like that. So there's a lot of the, the kind of background work is stuff that I've I've been kind of trying to get into a better shape, uh, getting the maps, um, you know, redoing a lot of the maps that were just kind of sketches, um, turning those into things that are more interactive, things that are more um, comprehensible to me. So I, I think that's the, the primary project that I'm working on is I have a novel that is about halfway, I published it as a, you know, I'm, I'm posting it as a serial and it's about halfway done now. But before I start again, I really want to um, make sure that the, the 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 additional material is there, the groundwork is there, so that, that I'm not um, confusing myself, uh, and I'm not losing track <laughs> of, of of plot threads or where characters are, or what's going on. But uh, but yeah, I think that's 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 the biggest project that I have at the moment. I write in a few different universes, and I tried to uh, towards the end of 2021, I just sort of realized that there were some that I had neglected for that year. And so I kind of wanted to 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 add some more, um, yeah, to tell some more stories in those settings. And that's something that I would like to do in 2021 uh, or 20, 2022, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I would like to be optimistic about 2022. Um, I would like to be optimistic that um, that things are going to get better, that things are, you know, people are going to, things are going to not go back to normal, right? I mean, the norm, normal, normal was imperfect, um, but a, a new normal, something that is something that is that is better, that is more um, more equitable, that people, you know, that, that is is more more fair, that something where you know people can see each other once again. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it would have been May or June 2020 when things sort of got back to normal. At least in in, in Germany, things mm-hmm. seemed like they were under control. Uh, and so the, the beer gardens reopened for a bit and people were sort of out and about again and people were going, going back to restaurants. And then, um, uh, yeah, then obviously that that, that was, it was a year yeah. and a half ago. <laughs> um, but I'd like to take some of that optimism. I, I would like to to cultivate that optimism and channel it channel it back into writing. Um, there is definitely there are, are are settings that I have that I've written in kind of from that, that tend to be a little bit more melancholy, and I'd like to um, I'd like to to find the kind of hopefulness there. Uh, and so that's that's something that um, that I would consider like a, a project for twenty twenty two is to is to kind of set myself back to the task of um, where where is the good in the world. What what are those stories that um, yeah What are those stories that that, that that reflect that? That sounds wonderful. That sounds amazing because there's so much. I mean, like in in fantasy in general, grimdark was so popular for so long, and I don't want to read that right now. I want to I want to read something that makes me hopeful. Yeah, and I do think yeah there there have been I think exceptions to that <laughs> that I found really 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 refreshing. I do yeah I want to be able to to carry that same sort of. That same that same sort of sentiment because yeah similarly I don't need my fiction to be dark and, yeah. and it's partly <laughs> the thing that, that that struck me about a lot of post apocalyptic fiction is that it it is often very dark but it's dark in a sort of unrealistic way by and large people are uh, decent people are social creatures people want to to help one another people want to to interact with one another to have fun with one another and there's a cynicism that I think is both inaccurate, but also wearying. And um, I, I would like to, I'd like to avoid contributing to it, but, but I'd like to, <laughs> to yeah, I, I would like to, to kind of consciously um, consider the alternatives uh, because I think there is a lot, there's a lot that we have to offer one another uh, that, um, that I think is worth, is worth telling. Oh gosh. That, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> Thank you for even attempting that. <laughs> You have covered so much. This is wonderful. Um, where can people find your writing? And I'm going to guess you're going to say so furry. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so you can find me at um, yeah. You can find me at so furry. Um, you can. I, I am also on um, writing dot dog. I, I grabbed a dot dog domain name because I thought that was was clever <laughs> or cute um, a couple of years ago. Um, that that has most that has all of the stories that I've written in the last couple of years, um, and then links links back to to, to so furry. And I think I'm also on fur affinity. But it's also easier than saying, I, I think I'm robert-baird.sofer.com. I write under the Rob Baird um, imprimatur. Um, but writing.dog is just, um, it's just, just, uh, just, just easier, I guess, or shorter. I think, I think that, that would go on the business cards if I had them. <laughs> you should totally get some. If nothing else, you can draw on the back. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, so I attended Midwest Fur Fest, um, and it was interesting. Now it took a couple of days to really get back into like interacting, like understanding how how it was like <laughs> to talk to people. And so, the, yeah, things like like business cards, uh, I feel like yeah, yeah, seem seem to date from a from a, a, a world that is a little bit lost right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but- I actually I went to one convention last year myself. I went to Dragon Con. And I brought my business cards from my little podcast, and I didn't give a single one out. I definitely take business cards from from people, so it, it is it is good to have them. I just need to yeah <laughs> set myself to actually doing that. Yeah, I guess twenty twenty two. We'll see where it takes us. Thanks so much to Sandy for her fantastic insights, and check the show notes, of course, for a link to her writing dot dog page. So. 
resolute, you know, the question that's coming. What have you been reading lately? <laughs> I have started reading more. Problem is, I have three books, um, three ebooks, and two regular books on loan from the library. Oh no. So, what do I go and do? I go and reread a book that I've already read. Ah, uh, but that's so comforting. I mean, sometimes you just need to know what happens next. Well, I already knew what happens next, but I, I just, it's. Um, Whoa. <laughs> I guess that was, that was. I mean, you need to know that you already know what happens next. You just need to know what happens next, but you need a refresher, yes. It's funny that you should say, you know, you need to know what happens next, or bringing up that it's happening again or something. Or There's some way to spin that into talk about necromancy, because it's um, Dead Beat by Jim Butcher, part of the Dresden Files oh. series. Oh, Jim Butcher, yes. Yeah. Are you going to reread the entire I series? I am so tempted to do that right now, yes. Uh, just uh, do I, it. No, because <laughs> I saw that um, that was recommended as a starting place for people who are new to the series because mm -hmm. it's got like 18 books out now or something. Yeah, I have only read the first ones. I really need to catch up. Yeah, the first ones were fairly decent, but he, you know, self-admits that they were when he least had idea how to write a story. The funny story about him, about Jim Butcher, is he started it as he was frustrated with his um, writing teacher in creative writing class. Oh. And so he did everything completely like cliche like he's just a um i forget what the term is but basically just you know <laughs> putting throwing out um formulaic novels mm. and so he wrote wrote it just completely cliche by the beats you know formulaic mm -hmm. and the teacher was like the teacher was like oh i love it where's the rest <laughs> and that was his first book of the Dresden Files series, which, as mentioned, has oh gone gosh. up to like 18 books or so now. So he's still working on no, the rest. The, 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 <laughs> the joke then is he had the last laugh because she meant, oh, where's the rest of the book? He comes back with a 20 plus series, 20 plus book oh series layout with a epic trilogy finale. <laughs> oh my gosh. Which you know, is absolutely we, something that I would do. <laughs> so I just can't, I can't knock that. That's amazing. The beginning books struggle a bit with um, mm -hmm. a bit of, you know, well, aforementioned writing quality. You know, getting started can't really fault a novelist there. And then a bit of misogyny on the character's part. Um, oh, but that yeah. is very much explained as he was raised kind of old fashioned values Kind of like he, he, you know, he's like, oh, I would never hit a girl. And he's dealing with, you know, magic. He's dealing with the the supernatural underbelly. That comes back to bite him again and again until it is quite literally <laughs> beaten out of him. So if, if you're put off by Good. that, don't worry. It's, it gets better. It gets worse before it gets better. But for him, not for us. <laughs> well, that's what we want to read about is somebody else having a really bad day, but a lot more interesting than our bad days. Yes. Yeah, he has a bad day, but he gets to throw around fireballs. So It's never a bad day if you get to throw a fireball. I forget which book it is in the <laughs> series, but it also has one of my top favorites first lines in a book. 
the building was on fire and it wasn't my fault. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> it's <laughs> Now maybe I have to reread the whole series. <laughs> well, I can, I can at least attest that Deadbeat is a pretty good start. I mean, you're still okay. getting quite a bit yeah. of, oh, this happened in a previous book. Oh, this happened in a previous book. But it's fairly well explained. Well, I'll just put that on my reading list. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Ask me what I've been reading. What have you been reading, Kate? Nothing. Nothing. I have not been reading. What I have been doing, and this is really unlike me, I've been watching movies. Hmm. I don't really watch TV. I don't have cable. Same. I don't have TV. I don't. Yeah, I have a TV, but it's only hooked up to a Blu-ray player. Mm -hmm. So I don't even watch movies that much. And I have maybe two dozen movies on DVD and Blu-ray. But I just, at the beginning of the year, I didn't want to do anything but watch movies. So Fair. Yeah. And mostly what I want to watch is Spirited Away over and over and over <laughs> and over and over because I'm in that kind of mood. The part with the train and the, the rain and the water I and the it. music. And, oh, you haven't, haven't seen, seen it. it. Oh, my gosh. It is beautiful and is not what you would probably expect. Oh, it's, it's absolutely on my list yeah. to watch. But Yeah, it's just a gorgeous movie. It's probably my favorite movie. And that includes all the Star Wars movies, which I nice. really like. Yeah, so Spirited Away, definitely recommend. So I haven't really read anything I have like six books on my nightstand with bookmarks in them. Does that count? Sure. Okay, good. I did finally, finally, after two and a half years, post a story on my sofa. Oh my gosh, congratulations! Thank you. Did you remember to put tags in? Yes, I did. I, okay, well, good. I, I may have gone a bit overboard with the tagging even. No, it's not possible. Seriously. Yeah, I like Sandy tags. said so. Put the tags in. No, yeah, it's just a fantasy. It's about a pair of um, mages who are, you know, kind of a traveling companions. They are cure helping a village cure a blight on their crops. Ooh, the main character good. is kind of a dragon girl, dragonkin esque. Not mm. quite fully anthro, but not like human with scales either. I might have to get art of her at some point to just illustrate yes. what the heck she looks like <laughs> then the deuteragonist is a um servine or deer tar mm. so oh, deer that's centaur. awesome and that sounds really fun yep. i mean just going by the the setup and the characters i'm like i want to read that <laughs> so yeah. you're gonna have to send me the link i'll put I will. that in the show it notes it is um 18 plus it is it does have explicit content in it um, oh my gosh oh my i'll God. be prepared <laughs> um, so, you know, just be fair warned. The title of it is Centaur for Disease Control. That's the best title I've ever heard in my you. entire life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I honestly, and honestly, that is how the plot came about. It's like, all right, I have this title. How do I justify the title? They're curing a disease. You know, I've never tried starting with a title before. Maybe I ought to try that. Honestly, it's more so just, I can come up with a bajillion story ideas, but mm -hmm. titling the stories is such a pain. It really is. But I stumbled upon the secret, mm -hmm. for me at least, is puns. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? A, <laughs> a huge surprise to anyone who knows me, I know. <laughs> but it does. It helps me come up with the title, and in this case, yeah. and then a couple others, the story to go with it. Oh, that's a great so, one. 
Thank you. I'm trying not to let it run away with me because I have a second part in the works and I'm trying not to let it have part three, four, five and onwards. Well, you know, you might have a novel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'll be the centaur of attention. (laughs) (laughs) For more information about what's going on in the guild and the larger furry community, or for information about joining the guild, visit our website at furrywritersguild.com. You can find furry market listings, links to our Discord and other social media, and the forums, which are open to everyone. Thanks for listening to the FWG News Podcast. Until next time, if you're looking for a sign to start writing, this is it. <laughs>